So good morning and Happy New Year. I am on. Yes, I am on. I can hear the echo a little bit. Um, by way of introduction, most of you would know me, but some perhaps do not. So my name is Harry Strauss, and I used to be part of the pastoral team here and um, retired or semi-retired about five years ago. And then I found myself on staff, faculty at Horizon College and Seminary. So um, in terms of my transition, ultimately, I just simply moved about 50 meters from the office over here uh, to the office over there up on the second floor. And uh, one of the neat things about my office, I've never had an office like this in all my life, but I now have an office that faces the east. And so during the summer, I have the sunshine just pouring into my office space. But everywhere else that I've been, uh, the office space has always been facing to the north. And um, you don't get a lot of sunshine if your office is facing north. Uh, all kinds of good courses at Horizon College and Seminary. Uh, that place is not just for young adults. It's for all adults, semi-retired and retired people. Uh, those of you who are retired, I don't know if you know this, but there are studies out there that would suggest that there's a correlation, and it may be more than correlation, it may be causal. There's a correlation between learning and longevity in life. And so the more that you're involved in learning, that adds the vitality of life, and it adds to energy in life, engagement in life. And chances are, if you want to just live an extra three or four years, that might be good to take a course or two at Horizon College and Seminary. <laughs> and engage in studies there. Matter of fact, we have a really good course, Dr. Susan Wendell, that will be teaching Revelation beginning January the 16th, Monday evenings from 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock. You can audit that for a cheap $100 and be a part of that experience and learn from her perspective on Revelation. So today's message is from Revelation. It is uh, 117, and it really is a phrase, and the phrase it simply is, do not be afraid. It's uh, Jesus speaking to uh, John, uh, communicating to him to not be afraid. An appropriate word for today, an appropriate word for the first day of the new year. It's an appropriate word at any time, right? Uh, the, it has been suggested, I haven't counted them, but it's been suggested that the phrase, do not be afraid, appears in the Bible 365 times, suggesting that there is a do not be afraid for every day in the year which also suggests that the Bible takes into account our natural tendency to be fearful and to be anxious. We do have our times where we are fearful and we are anxious. I know that in the past, you know, you could see these t-shirts that people would sometimes wear that says, no fear. And I don't know if that's true to life. There is fear and there is anxiety. It's four words in the English language, do not be afraid. In the uh, Greek language, it's only two words. Um, and the first, the word, the verb that is there is phobo, which we get the English word phobia from. So there's a negative, don't, and then afraid, don't be afraid. Um, it's in the present tense, which carries the idea of keep on not being afraid, which again suggests the flip side of that is that we keep on getting afraid. And so there's this idea of keep coming back to this, do not be afraid. It's also in the imperative which suggests maybe elevated attention and importance with this. So can we do it? Do not be afraid. 
We have our times of fear, or worse yet, times of anxiety. We're our cup, the Psalm 23 cup, rather than perhaps overflowing with joy and peace, overflows with anxiety and fear. So how can we manage, mitigate, minimize, or perhaps even eliminate the fear that comes our way? Fears that may be appropriate or fears that may be totally out of line because it's a distortion and it's out of place. Some fears are very appropriate. Years ago, when I was a young man, I worked on construction. We were working on a five-story building in Regina, and I had the task with another guy to go around the outside perimeter of the building on the roof, the five stories up, and put in angle iron. I was afraid. It was an appropriate fear because it really motivated me to follow safety protocols. Some fears are totally legitimate and understandable. You know, we may say somewhere in the course of some experience with life, I have never done or experienced this before in all my life. And so it's understandable where there's a new challenge that fear might be there. Or our doctor says you should go and have this medical procedure done or you should have this surgery. That would be a a new thing and, and there would be fear there. A new relationship, a huge financial risk, or even preparing for death would be a certain measure of fear there. But there are also fears and anxieties that are exaggerated or unfounded or distorted, fears that can hamper and cripple life. I have not arrived, but I've gained some insights through the years with which I, which I want to share with you. It's not a total or comprehensive statement about dealing with our anxieties and fears, but it provides some potential thoughts uh, largely drawn from the book of Revelation. So three thoughts that I'll share. The very first one, I know it's a little bit of a mouthful, but here it is. I am more apt to manage fear as I recall, think, reflect, and dwell on the reality of the resurrection. And more specifically my anticipated and eventual resurrection. It could be suggested that the fear of death is behind some and maybe many of the fears that we experience. I remember feeling the fear of death as a five or six-year-old and asking my dad, will I die? And my dad responded to me, um, not from a biblical or Christian perspective, but he assured me that I would not die. And so I was put at peace. But the interesting thing is that many years later, about then 10 years ago, when my dad passed away, there I was in Bustia on the hospital there by his bedside, and he had only maybe two or three weeks left to live. And now I'm telling him, reflecting biblical content, that in faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life, and life would continue. But nonetheless, again, there's a fear that is wrapped up with that. All kinds of things that we could be fearful of that we might think that would eventually possibly lead to our death. Uh, One would be travel, like driving the highway between here and Calgary. You know, we've probably heard of too many accidents along that road, and I'm Quite frankly, I'm skittish about driving on that highway during the winter. Or perhaps flying. 
or perhaps flying fully across the Pacific Ocean to a destination in Asia, which would be about a 13 or 14 hour flight. What if this jet runs out of fuel? Or if I'm sitting there and we haven't heard from the cockpit for maybe two hours, I might find myself saying, oh dear, I hope those pilots haven't fallen asleep up there. You know, so there are fears. And, and what's at the fear is like, oh my goodness, this jet could end up in the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and I'm dead. I'm gone, you know. <laughs> uh, or it could be medical matters, right? Uh, I had an experience a few months ago that brought fright into my life. I think I'm active. I play tennis. I bike. I do a fair amount of walking. And years ago, I used to jog, and for various reasons, here I am in my 60s, and I think, oh, you know, I think I would like to jog again. So I go to the field house, but I'm going to go light. I, I lightly jog a lap, and then I walk a lap, and I jog a lap, and I walk a lap, and I... But this is working so good that I just, I overdo it. You know, I, I begin to feel like here I am back in my 30s, you know? And, well... A few hours later, I'm in a walk-in clinic because my heart seems to be a little bit irregular. And there's a certain measure of fright that is there. And the doctor that's talking to me talks about the activity chart. You know, I guess we'll have it on the screen here right away. Is it on the screen? There you go. You know, he, you know, he says, you know, Mr. Strauss, you're no longer on the left side of that chart. You're, 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 you're now on the, on the right side of that chart. And this is what your activity level should be at this number right here. You should go get yourself one of these watches and measure your heart rate so you know where you're at. So I, I have one of, those Fitbit, one of those watches now. But, you know, one of the things that for me as I came out of that experience was, and he didn't say it like this to me, but it was like, Strauss, act your age, you know? Like, be on the right-hand side, not on the left-hand side, because I'm no longer a 30-year-old man. Spurgeon, famous preacher from England, London, about 150 years ago, he has this line that says, Our hearts beat relentlessly to the drumbeat of death. Now, I know you're looking for something optimistic today. <laughs> and uh, that's, but you know, it's true news, you know, it's true news. Um, it's true news. Our text is, do not be afraid. It comes out of the context of verses 17 and 18 here. And, 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 and Jesus, uh, the text says, when I saw him, and, and at the core of this text is resurrection, but also behind it is this whole reality of death. So when I saw him, John, you know, he just had this vision of Jesus Christ. I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid, because I am the first and the last. Language that Jesus Christ is divine. I am the living one. Language about the resurrection. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I, I hold the keys of death and Hades. In other words, Jesus Christ is fully in charge of death. Death is central to this text, and I would suggest even very central to the entire book of Revelation. What sparked fear in John's life right here? Well, certainly the vision of Jesus Christ. It had just happened the verses before, uh, before verses uh, 17 and 18 here. 
there are unique things that happen there. And I, and I think if I had a vision of Jesus Christ, I'd be startled and falling to the ground too. But as John sees this vision, the voice is like that of rushing waters. And not only that, but this vision he has of Jesus Christ, Jesus has this sword coming out of his mouth. You know, and my imagination with that text as well. Does that mean the blade went down first or the, the handle went down first or was it sideways like this? But it would be enough to startle John. So there's fear there, but perhaps when you take the full context of the book in, in mind, it may have been the anticipated suffering and the anticipated death that would come to some of these believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So John, he starts this book off by saying in 1 and 9, he, he says, I, John, your brother and companion, in the suffering, the first word that he uses when he talks and identifies himself, the suffering, the word of flipsis, which in chapter 7 is the word great tribulation, the great tribulation, the suffering that would be coming to the people of God, and death, martyrdom, persecution would be a part of Consequently, revelation, especially in corners of the world, through the centuries, today as well, where there is persecution, where there is oppression, where there is death, people gravitate to this book because of its, it's written against the backdrop of end times, but the promise that comes through this book right here. Now, our circumstances are very different, but the fact is that we eventually face our mortality and doing that will be as real for us as it was for John uh, as well. And there can be fear, especially with the unknown factors of the how and the when. And when we come to a text like this, it reaffirms, reaffirms the resurrection. I, I fell at his feet. He placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, as... For me, true for believers in Jesus Christ. Now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. It's not only written text, but there are pictures. Revelation is a picture book. There are all kinds of pictures that come through this book. So if we were to go to chapter 11, which I would follow the line of interpretation that chapter 11 was as much written for us as it was for the seven churches that are identified in chapters 2 and 3. <clears throat> and you have this picture of these two witnesses that are sent out, really the ministry of the church, the continued ministry, and they testify and they prophesy about Jesus Christ. But after three and a half days, they are killed. There's a persecution component in this. But then after the three and a half days of being killed, after experiencing death, the, the breath of God comes into them and they rise to their feet and they're caught up in the heaven. <clears throat> the text reads it like this in chapter 11, verse 11. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. And then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up into heaven in the cloud while their enemies looked on. It was a picture for the churches, the church at Smyrna especially, that there would be life. It's a picture of our text in chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. And I don't want to die early, and I don't want to, you know, even going back to this little bit of a heart issue that I had, but 
I'm sure thankful that there is this reality and the truth at the center of the Christian faith of the resurrection that gives us confidence about tomorrow. So much so, this is, you know, even on this death theme, there are seven Beatitudes in Revelation, but in chapter 14, verse 13, <clears throat> you have this Beatitude. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Seven Beatitudes, happy, macarius is the word there. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on, which suggests there's a confidence about tomorrow and there's a confidence about the future regardless of what may transpire. <clears throat> so, I am more apt to manage, minimize, mitigate, or eliminate fear as I recall, as I think, and I reflect on the reality of the resurrection and more specifically my anticipated and eventual resurrection. A second thought. <clears throat> I am more apt to manage fear as I, by faith, believe that the living Christ not only brings the message of the resurrection to us, but that he's with me and he's with us at all times. <clears throat> fear, <clears throat> fear is more manageable if I know that the resurrected Christ is around. So in this text that we have here, do not be afraid, I'm the first and the last, I'm the living one. Jesus is very much present with John. And it, but it's also explicit in this passage in chapter 1 and chapters 2 and 3. In chapter 1, Jesus is walking among the lampstands. And when we get to chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, to the angel of the church write, these are the words, him who, him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and who walks among the golden lampstands. So it's a picture of the presence of Christ in a church setting. And so I want to suggest to you that Forest Grove is a modern-day lampstand. And how do we then experience, but then as a part of that, how do we experience the presence of God, like what is suggested, at least here in Revelation? I, I would, and I will respond by, by kind of using language that might be on the street, but we experience the presence of God by Jesus by hanging out where Jesus hangs out. And he's hanging around the lampstands. And we not only hang out around the lampstands, but we do what lampstands do or church communities do, which is we worship. We engage in worship. I mean, we have chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. Those of you acquainted with, some of you may not be acquainted with the book, but Jesus is walking around these seven different churches. But then what happens is chapters 2 and 3 flow just naturally into chapters 4 and 5, which are two chapters on worship. And that carries over even into chapter 7 then. But there's this natural flow that Jesus with these people, and then it, and it's not explicit there, but the invitation to these seven churches is enter into Revelation 4 and 5. And equally for us, we are invited into chapters 4 and 5 to worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And worship, <clears throat> being plugged into a community of faith, coming here into this experience by way of the internet or online or <clears throat> physically present here in this space here, puts us into the presence of Jesus Christ. Making this, what happens in this setting here, 
a very, very real experience. <clears throat> I, you know, I related this story before about Eugene Peterson, who is the translator of the message, <clears throat> and who used to pastor for quite a few years, but um, <clears throat> on a Sunday morning, <clears throat> as is often the case with, you know, pastors in churches, they may stand in the back and they're greeting people, and he's shaking hands with people as they're leaving, and and someone says to him on the way out, Well, Pastor, back to the real world. And Eugene Peterson just bristled with that. Like, in other words, in other words, what we've been doing here hasn't been really real. And it just sort of ticked him off. Miffed that someone would use that language. Like, what's more real? Being in this experience of worship, especially in the singing experience of what we're doing, or going out over there? Well, maybe it's not really a fair question because they're both really real. But ultimately, what would be the most significant one of the two? It's coming into experiences like this where we gather together and by faith we, we affirm that Jesus is alive, this resurrected one is alive, we can have a relationship with him, <clears throat> and that he ministers and speaks to us in the midst of that. <clears throat> so how does all of this help us with our fears and anxieties? <clears throat> Genuine worship, interaction with the people of God, can lessen anxiety and fear as it puts us into the presence of the resurrected Lord. It's being said, you have fear. It's a line that, that, that I quote from someone else. You have fear? Well, a good hymn book will, will help. You know, you, you sing together and you sing together with other people. <clears throat> I read some time ago, singing is a vaccine to moments of despair. And I recast it by saying, singing is a vaccine to fear. Worship is a vaccine to fear. And we gather together and there's the presence, by faith, the presence of Jesus with us. I think you can see this evidence all through the Psalms in different places. I will cite Psalm 27, uh, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> the psalmist is involved in worship. He's at the temple. They're singing. But one of the ways, you know, you look at some of the language in the Psalms, and there's this, 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 this confidence about not being fearful. And it comes out of a time of worship and interaction with the people of God. So when I think about Psalm 27, 1 and 2, which I've meditated on, and I suspect many of you have meditated on as well, but the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And as is often the case in the Psalms, the psalmist might give a conclusion up front, but it came because of the, the worship and the experience of the psalmist with God, with other people. So I'm more after my new eyes fear as I by faith believe that the living Christ is with me and at all times, particularly in community times of worship. So which then underscores, does it not? Does that not underscore the importance of gathering together, being with those, the people of those lampstands where Jesus is walking around? And then also being a part of the worship experience as reflected in Revelation 4 and 5. <clears throat> a final thought that I bring is, <clears throat> I am more apt to manage fear as I engage intentionally, as fully as I can, 
in the wide array of biblical truths expressed by Jesus Christ and more broadly in the Bible as a whole. You know, we have this text in front of us, Revelation 1, 17 and 18. Don't be afraid. I am, I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. I, I mean, it's a priceless set of words. You couldn't begin to put a value on that. More than once in times of fear and uncertainty and especially, you know, health-related issues, I've come back to this and run this, these few words through my mind. Uh, words of truth. Words of truth can, 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 can mitigate some of the fears that we have, minimize some of the fears that we have. Uh, I, a number of years ago, I was involved in reading this book that I would put on the screen here right now entitled, When Panic Attacks, the new drug-free anxiety therapy that can change your life uh, by David Burns. Is it up on the screen? Good, it is. Uh, David Burns is a psychiatrist, uh, best known for another book, perhaps, uh, Feeling Good. Uh, but years ago, I took a four-day conference with him on anxiety and on depression and uh, learned a lot from him. But his basic premise is that we can be involved in managing our fears and anxieties, and that's the title. Um, the book has various exercises that one can do. Uh, there's one called the daily mood log that I occasionally do when I am beset with anxiety or fear, and I walk through that. But what the author calls for you to do is, you know, you, so there's some anxiousness in your life, there's some fear in your life, and especially if it's crippling you, that you, you, you try to identify what it is. You write it down on paper, you, and in putting it down on paper, you, you define it. You define the enemy that's tormenting your life and working against you. Then you identify distortions and exaggerations, oftentimes where we have fears, where just sort of our minds are just taking off with the worst case scenario. But then, and again, he doesn't come, at least it's not, not reflected in the book. I don't know if he has a Christian background or not, but, but still there's value in, in this portion. He says, and, the, and then you speak to your fear. Uh, with that which you know to be true about your own life and the circumstances around you. And in my situation as a believer in Christ, I speak to my fear with the words of God, the promises of Scripture, the very thing that we've been doing here where we talk, well, we talked about the resurrection, we talked about the presence of the Lord as reflected in Scripture. But, but this idea of not being afraid, the Scriptures are loaded with verses and ideas and images and thoughts that can speak to fear and anxieties. It's interesting, Revelation 1.3 begins with blessed. That's the first of the seven Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words, the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who take it, the words, these words, to heart, take it to heart, that which is written in it. Blessed. Happy is the one who takes these words into their very being. And of course, it is more than just words. It's the truth of those words. And so the scriptures, Revelation has a number of examples. And obviously, the Bible as a whole has many examples. I, I would read two out of Revelation. Revelation 2, 7. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Well, wrap your mind around that promise and that reality, and as we think that way, 
it can soften some of the fears that we might have in the anxieties today. Or Revelation 21, 3, 4, they will be his people and God himself will be that with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. I'm looking forward to that day, quite frankly. <laughs> and there won't be any fear there. Won't be any fear there. Or additional examples beyond Revelation, John 14, 1. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Uh, probably fear behind that. Believe in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house are many rooms. Or Jesus saying, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Well, it doesn't say fear here, but what's worry? But worry is cultivated fear, where we just work a fear through our minds over and over again. Or in Peter, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Or Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So I am more apt to manage fear as I intentionally engage as fully as I can in the biblical truths expressed by Jesus Christ and more broadly, the Word of God. So as we move to conclusion, again, going back to 117.18, do not be afraid, for Jesus says, I am the first and the last, I am the living one, I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. How? Well, we dwell on the reality of the resurrection, we remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, and then the implications for us on that, we cultivate the presence of the resurrected Lord as real, uh, particularly through times of worship. And then we take to heart the truth words, the promise words of Jesus Christ. And more broadly, Scripture as a whole, um, the, the, the words of Scripture, the promises of Scripture. So to conclude, I have prepared a prayer <clears throat> that I want to uh, state and make a comment or two about it, and then I'm going to invite you to uh, pray that prayer along with me. If there's no fears or anxieties in your life or your world at this present time, well, then maybe you want to pray something, just something a little bit different. Say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. There's no fears or anxieties for me. But <clears throat> if this fits for you, uh, follow along. But I first want to just read it. So it says, O oh Lord, uh, help me with my fears, uh, both today and ongoing. Help me to know and feel the implications of the resurrection. So it's not just simply a matter of knowing it, but God, our, our, I want to I feel the implications of the resurrection. To know and sense your presence. I, I want to know... I. I I want to experience the presence of Christ as well. Uh, I know he's all present with us, but I also want to sense that. And to fully embrace your words of promise so that I take this, this, this treasure that's there in this book and make it a part of my life so that I can be like the psalmist in Psalm 27. You know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? Um, and we exercise that by faith. 
So let's pray this. I invite you to either close your eyes or follow along on the screen. <clears throat> oh, Lord God Almighty, uh, help me with my fears. <clears throat> Both today and ongoing. Help me to know and feel the implications of the resurrection. To know and sense your presence. And to fully embrace your words of truth and promise. Lord God, as we step into the first day of 2023, may this be a banner year for us. And may we be able to enter this year with a great deal of courage, a great deal of confidence. Uh, buoy us up, O oh Lord God, in that. And when the fear might come our way, that we'd be able to respond appropriately with courage and confidence, rooted in the promises and the truth of the Word of God. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, worship team, if you would please come. And um, as they're coming, I would just conclude with this benediction, at least this benediction to this message itself, uh, the one out of Romans that says, uh, May the God of hope uh, fill you with all joy and peace. And um, the different ways in which we could think in terms of the opposite of fear, but certainly shalom and peace is one of those opposites. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope and peace uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit.